0: Ephesians, the fourth chapter, notice this, we'll start in verse 25, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, or that, in other words, deal with it. He said, nor give place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. We've been here on this verse a while. But what is good for necessary or proper building up or edification That it may impart grace to the hearer, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, every believer has a mark, and it's not like, you know, a marker marking them, but it's actually the Holy Spirit living in them when they get saved. Now, you can be filled with the Spirit after that, but, but... Having the spirit in you is a mark in the spirit realm that you can't always see. You cannot see unless you could see into the spirit that's on every believer. The devil knows who you belong to because there's a seal or an emblem or a marking that shows you belong to God and it's God's spirit in you. And he lets you know you belong to him because the Bible said that spirit in you will witness to you. Not shout, but witness. Let you know you are a child of God. So, but in the spirit realm, there's a look. In other words, if you stripped off your body, and we stripped off the natural, and all we saw was spiritual, we could tell who was saved and who was not saved. And here's the thing. The new life you have and the spirit in you then will witness to you, which means you will know something that the world doesn't know. They'll think, well, you're crazy, but you'll be convinced. They say, how can you believe in something you can't see? Well, we believe in stuff we can't see all the time, but this is more than believing in something you can't see. It's real. It's real. God is real, heaven is real, the unseen realm is real. They're familiar with it because they've been driven by it at different times and they know they've been pushed by the wicked one to do wrong at times. But in us alone is God's Spirit. And so He'll deal with us when nobody's looking. It's good to know. And we're sealed by the Spirit. In other words... It's the mark God gives you that you know you belong to Him, and everything in the unseen realm knows you belong to Him too. How many of you know you can know you belong to God, but others may not? Now, do you know there is a way to let others know you belong to God? Huh. He lets you know you belong to Him because you were created new when you received Christ. Then he put his spirit in you and he witnesses that that you're his. You just have a knowing. And if you'll just fellowship with God and spend time with God and do different things, you'll become more aware of him working in you and you'll just go, I just know I'm I'm his. But does the world know you're his? Not by the witness because they don't have the spirit. The Bible said they don't. They said, The Bible said they can't receive him, not until they're saved. So interesting fact that God can see and know everyone in here who's saved. And you can know yourself you're saved and that you belong to him. Just have a knowing. Something in me goes, yeah, I know. You know, people say, how come you went into full-time ministry and how come you pursued that? When I got saved, I just knew. Now, God had spoken to me when I was five years old, but the way I knew I was called was I just knew That I knew, that I knew, that I knew way down deep inside. I'm called to the ministry. It's that same witness. It wasn't a voice. Now, he reminded me of when I was five years old that he had spoken to me about it. But I just knew. God wants us to know that we're saved. Beyond our head when nobody else does. He wants you to know. So he put his spirit in you, marked you, because when we've said this before, when he said seal, it doesn't mean like it's raining. Everybody go, you know, cover this up and roll up your windows. In other words, what are we saying? Seal it up. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a seal like a king's mark. When he would have an insignia ring, that was their seal, and they would stamp hot wax, and they go like that, and Only he had that in or the people he gave it to, so they had authority and they would mark a paper or, you know, melt wax and then do that because that way you couldn't forge a signature and that signet in, you know, ring. And so that was called the king's seal. It was his mark that that was his, and the spirit in you is the mark that you belong to God. And so he's going to deal with you from the inside. Right? And he told us, don't grieve him. And you were sealed by him. So you get to work with him. You get to follow him. But it's interesting, he said, you'll know by this witness that you belong to God. That is so good. We were worshiping God, and you can start sensing God, and you're like, whoa, hey, ho, Even people who live in the world, you know, who don't maybe serve God like they should but are saved, God will still deal with them. The world won't understand when they start to pull away and go, I can't do this anymore. I've got to follow God. (laughs) What? It's because they have something in them. But here's the interesting thing. God did this so you could know personally. But do you know the world doesn't know you're saved because you have that inward witness, his spirit going, yeah, you're saved. The world doesn't know you are saved by that. Huh. Now, we read 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and then started reading 30. Did you notice in verse 25 it says, put away line? Then it says, don't be, you know, let the anger, your the sun go down on your wrath. You know, get rid of that anger. And Then it says, don't steal in verse 28. Do you notice those things? Remember the Ten Commandments? Don't lie, don't steal, don't have false gods. On and all these things, put God first. And man has endeavored to keep those commandments. You know, there's a new commandment that... If you do that, if you do that commandment, then you won't lie, you won't do wrong to people, and it's called the commandment of love. And if I love, I won't have idols. In other words, nothing is going to get bigger in my life than God is. Not even me. And I'm going to be kind, I'm not going to steal anymore, I'm not going to bear false witness I'm not going to have these outbursts of wrath because it is the victory for overcoming these things when I live in this love. But let's keep reading on. Verse 31, because there is a statement that I want to connect to what I've been saying. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those are just wrong actions and ill motives, right? Well, how are you going to put them away? You're going to have to do what he tells you to do to get rid of them. But what's interesting is what we're about to talk about is the thing that will cause the world to know you're saved. You know, I, I remember witnessing to these guys one time. And uh, I had been witnessing to them, and And I kind of had... I've used all kinds, I was going to say every, all kinds of approaches in opening the door to witness to people and talk to them to get people to listen to you. And so these guys were listening to this music, and they were drinking and partying and carrying on, and I had driven up, and I parked, and then there was these three guys, and they were loud, and it was this music about killing stuff. And so I thought, there's my door. So I went over, and it was about something about sacrificing. I said, I hear this music, this is years ago. I said, oh, I hear this music. I said, you into sacrifices and stuff? And they're like standing there, uh, you know, sacrificing stuff. I said, I've been involved in sacrifices before. Are you guys interested? I said, I've been involved in a human sacrifice. And they're all drinking, and now they're listening really well. And I have their attention. I've personally been involved with the killing of a man. And you know, you're up in the mountains because I, you know, and they're thinking, okay, yeah. I said, Jesus died for me. I was personally involved. My sins were laid upon him. Oh, that's what you're. T-. And then they're all, ah. now they're all breathing, and the one guy just spouts off, oh, I'm a Christian. And the other two said, no, you're not. You're not a Christian. And he said, yes, I am. They said, no, you're not. And they're arguing with him that he's not a Christian. Was he a Christian? He very well could have been. He could have received Christ and been living in the world. And had the witness. But the Bible said if you love By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another and if you love. Because love will fulfill the law. You won't go out and do those things if you really live in love because love is not self-seeking. And you're going to want to seek what's best for others and seek what's best for your witness. Seek what's best to glorify God. And it goes in line with your nature. That other kind of living does not. And so they recognized he didn't have anything, at least in their opinion, that signaled he was different and that he was saved, even though he was like, I am, and he might have been right. But that doesn't mean that's the right course of action. But anyway, that being said, notice this, he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, you were sealed, get rid of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and you can't live out there in the world like that. If you're saved and think you're not going to get tore apart and destroyed. And uh, you know it's just sometimes people look at people's lives. And they go I don't understand why that stuff's happening to them. It's not hard to understand. But we are called as believers to live a certain way. You with me? And if you live this way. Certain things will occur in your life. One, your witness will be improved toward the world. You'll have something by actions that will say you're saved. And it will give you a doorway to be able to speak to people. And here's the thing. If I am self-absorbed, I don't even think about the lost world out there. That's not love. But notices, very next verse says, um, "Verse thirty-two, and be kind to one another." Right there. Love is patient. Love is kind. He's really going over a list of things that could. Uh, That could be remedied if we all walked in love. You know, I lived in Southern California during the riots. And, you know, Rodney King had a statement that's lived on and on and on and on and on. Can't we all just get along? Well, there might be some truth and we're not always going to be able to get along. But one thing, because we can't. We're not always going to. But we can be kind. I said we can be kind we can be kind you with me and so right here he said and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as god in christ forgave you let me read that again and be kind one to another tender hearted so he's writing to christians and he's saying be kind be tender hearted Forgive one another. And then notice this right here that he said. Notice what's so interesting here. He said, be kind, tender-hearted," And he told us to forgive in what measure? In what measure? In what measure? As Christ forgave you. What? Forgive one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. How did Christ forgive you? Quickly and completely. Therefore, notice verse 1 of the 5th chapter. Here we go. Chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So notice verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. I know if you turn like the amps and stuff off and things like that. Okay. then We can edit this out and nobody will ever know when it's online. It'll just sound like I kept preaching and we weren't all, and shouted and then we went right back, you know, doing our thing. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. What's he talking about? He's talking about walking in love. And then he said, "Therefore, be imitators of God. Think about this. God wants you to imitate him. So much so that he asked and, and said, imitate. Do this and he told us in the Scriptures to imitate him in such a way that he doesn't want me to hold stuff against people. He wants me to walk in love like he walks in love. Wow. Walk in love. Be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Notice 32 and thirty and verse 2 are both talking about love, forgiving, imitating Christ, giving our life to the Lord, but he tells us how we're to do it by our love for one another. If you will watch how your relationship goes with love, you'll watch how your relationship goes with God. You with me? This is important. It is the thing that will cause you to know God better. It's the thing that will make harmony with you and God. Love is the answer, but it's not always the answer people look for because they think, well, I've got this problem, and I have a problem being selfish. Love is not selfish. And really, for every Christian who's been made new, there is a new nature in you, not in your mind, that's why we're commanded to renew our minds, but in your spirit that wants to do what God wants. And one of the great thing God want great things God wants you to do is walk in love. If you would walk in love, you would obey the leading of the spirit. If you walked in love, you'd put the Bible first. If you walked in love, you'd put God first in everything. And if you walked in love, you would treat people a certain way. Now, notice that phrase, therefore be imitators. Well, you could say it like this, act like God. That I mean, can you imagine, like, you guys maybe go out to eat today, and you're at a restaurant, and there's other people there from churches, and you're like, "Ah, you know, church, and they're like... Oh, and then they go, oh, you went to church today? Well, what did your pastor preach on? Ours preached on this. Well, our pastor talked about imitating God. You know what people would think? He what? Oh, yeah, he just got all over it. Imitate God. Do You just want, you know, God wants you to imitate him. They'd, they'd think, Serious? You went to a church that told you to imitate God? Well, we just read that verse. Go to first... Well, let's read that verse again. Be imitators of God as dear children. Then he said, walk in love. The verses before said, be kind, forgiving like God did in Christ, completely, thoroughly. And so this these verses here... That he's talking about imitating God or imitating God in the area of love. Have you ever noticed in your life when you get in trouble it's because you did it your own way? And ever struggle and thought, oh man, but this is so good to do it my own way. And to head down this path because it's just so good. And then you ever head down that path and went, man, this is not as good as I thought. Love would have been the remedy for that path. But it's sure what I wanted. But if we know and we realize, if I live by love, I'm going to be solving my problems. If you live by love, you're going to solve your problems. Your problems will get solved. There is a big solving of problems when you walk in love. In the Bible love. Turn to 1 John. It's real quiet in here today. 1 John 4, verse 17 says this, Love has been perfected or literally matured or developed uh, in us, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. When we recognize what he did through his act of love, It gives us boldness in the day of judgment. And if we live in love, it will give us boldness in the day of judgment. Those two areas, me walking in his love and me knowing what he provided through his act of love, will change how I live, you with me, and whether I live in torment or not. And the torment he's talking about is the fear of standing before God on the judgment day, not a torment, a mental torment in the sense of, oh, man, the devil's after me. I just need to walk in love. Well, you do need to walk in love, but you can resist him too. But this kind of love is when you have a confidence because you know he has sacrificed himself so I can be clean on that day. And if I walk in love, I'm in business on that day because I will have been hitting the mark all the time by walking in his love. You with me? And so he said, "Love has been developed or matured or perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment." But notice this phrase because as he is as he is Remember we said be imitators of God. Here it says as he is, so are we. In this world, or you could say it this way, so are we supposed to be in this world? How are, how, who is He, and then how are we supposed to be in this world? Well, it's pretty easy if you just go back and what verse were we in? 17. So, what if you just went back to 16 and it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is is love. God is love. Now, we're to know the love God has towards us. That was him sending Jesus. But notice he said, God is love. Then he said, as he is, so are you to be in this earth. God is love, and as he is, so are you supposed to be in this earth. He just described how he was. And in the next verse, he said, as he is, so are you to be in this earth. Matthew 5. You ready? As he is, so are we to be in this earth. How is God? God is love. God is powerful. God is all kinds of things. But the Bible is real descriptive to call God love. The Bible is descriptive to call God love. And there are a lot of viewpoints on love, so this area of the water may have get muddied. You know, you can have deep water and it can get muddy and it just changes the whole complexion of the the water. You can't always see the bottom properly. You can't see what's in there because it's been muddied. Have you ever been places... And you get in the water, and there's a little bit of silt and mud, and you can look and see the bottom, and within minutes you can't see the bottom. And you just stand there and don't move. Because sometimes what happens is you start talking about walking in love like God, and everybody's mind starts going in different directions of what they see love as. And it's like everybody's shuffling their feet, And then all of a sudden the water's muddy. You can't even see your feet anymore. You can't even see your legs anymore because there's so many opinions about love and not all of them are Bible opinions. And some of them are skewed because they haven't looked at two scriptures together. So they think, well, if I walk in love, I have to forgive them. That means I just let them do whatever they want to do again. You say, but my kid did wrong So I told him, you can't have the car. So if I forgive him, do I give him the car? Because I got to forgive. To forgive is to change my attitude toward them inwardly and release them from condemnation, guilt, and things like that. But my thing is this. Me giving them the car is not appropriate because... I didn't take the car from them. Yeah, you did. No, I told them up front, you can have the car, you can use the car, but if you violate this, you're going to forfeit the car. They gave up the car. All the blessings of God are ours, but you can forfeit them. But God's not just randomly taking them from you. So, well, what's the key then to getting them back? It's just me doing the right thing, and they're there already for me. You with me? And so when we say forgive, that doesn't mean we give the car back. They got to get the car back. They were the one who gave it up. They're the one who needs to get it back. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go, I can't believe you did that, and just hold it over their head and speak ill of them. You with me? But I am to walk in love, and I am to have God's opinion about love. You know, there are things that we need to understand. Matthew 5, if you're not there, and that love is not ooey-gooey. You know what I mean by that? Kisses and smooches, whatever you want to call it. And that's just all love is. Well, you know, you don't walk in love, you know, because people use it against you. You're not walking in love. Think of Jesus' life. He walked in love, and people loved to be around him. But sometimes he said, you're a whited wall full of dead men's bones. Oh, you walked out of love. No, he did not. He was stating a fact. you got some stuff going on, and you're projecting stuff this way, but you're not that way. Was he walking in love? Yes, because they thought they were okay. But he never violated love. He was God in action in the world. There were times that Jesus, it said, would have passed by certain people that had real serious problems. The Bible said he he would have passed them by, but the people started calling out. See, because people say, well, if God is love, why are so many people's needs passed by? Because sometimes people don't want to do it God's way. They want to do it their own way, and they don't want Him in their life, so He'll pass them by. Well, I don't want Him to pass me by. What stopped Him so He wouldn't pass people by When when they called out and said, Lord, help me? And then He would, if they called out, He'd turn to them and help them. You with me? He's for us now. You have called on Him if you're saved, and He's for you. But there are some things in your life, the Bible said, you have not because you ask not. So He is a lover, but He's not going to intrude in your life and just force you. But if you'll start talking to Him, start saying, hey, He'll start doing things. You with me? Because He is love. You with me? Notice this in Matthew 5, and we're, I believe we're going to, well, we'll close maybe the next verse after these. Matthew 5. Notice how God is, and this is how we're to be, because we're to imitate Him. Verse 43, Matthew 5. 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, they heard that. How many of you would like to have lived then? Would have made it a lot easier. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hey, I'm all for that. How hard is that? I'm hitting the mark every time. Glory to God. And praise me, too, because I could do that, but that's not what he said. That's He said, you've heard that, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. So you're to bless people who curse you. You're to do good to those who hate you. And you're to pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You're not to think about it and just ponder it. You're to pray, Lord, I'm praying for them. And you don't get to pray like fire down on them, (laughs) lightning. People do stuff because they're blind. They're not understanding. Notice verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good. Do you know everybody living today, all the people, you know, that have done crazy things? Because we can watch the news and see all kinds of crazy things. Social media is full of crazy stuff. You just can live and work and hear people at work and they're doing crazy things. And do you know God's son that he made for his man who walked with him still rises on the good and the bad? They can still go out and plant a garden using his son, using his water, using his dirt, and they can still have some fruit. No matter what. You with me. And so what's happening is they're able and using what he's provided, using what he provided. Notice this, good and bad people have. Because, you know, there's some people who say, I don't understand why these bad people are rich. Why did God make them rich? Did he make them rich? Or did they work the sun? Did they work the soil? Did they work the system that was there in place of sowing and reaping? You with me? And notice this. So notice what he said. He makes his son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Notice verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have or have you? Here's an interesting thing. He said there's a reward if you walk in love. First Peter said, he who would love life and see good days, he gave commands about walking in love. He told them to to do these certain things concerning walking in love. He said, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Now, that was not a compliment. That would be like if you're a Republican saying, don't the Democrats do that? Or if you're a, Repub- or a Democrat and saying, don't the Republicans do that? Because, you know, don't want to miss anybody here. In other words, that wasn't a compliment. They were the opposite. They were not the people. Tax collectors back then were normally crooked. That'd be like saying, don't the Clintons do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. This is an opportunity for you to act on the word right now. That was more of a joke. That can be edited out of the thing also. <laughs> Notice, he said, and if you greet your brethren only or do nice to them, what do you do more than others? In other words, if you only treat people good because they treat you good, you're not doing it God's way. Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be pure, perfect or maturing just as your Father in heaven is mature or perfect. Because notice what He does for people and how He acts toward people. Let's close right here in Psalms 40. You ready? Psalm 40. And we will close here because we need to, sooner or later. Psalm 40. What am I saying? We need to develop and walk in love. Here's what you do need to know is love is perfect in the Bible. You will never be exactly perfect in love, but we can mature in it and develop and become mature in love. You ever read love and went, wow, that's a standard. How can I do that? Well, you can renew your mind and you'll start developing in it and you can mature in love. I can mature in love. Psalms 40, verse 8. Notice this. He said, I delight to do your will, O God. I delight to do your will, O God. And your law is within my heart. God put his love in your spirit when you got saved. And he said, I delight to do your will. Do you know it's God's will for us to walk in love? That means we should start delighting in loving. It's a whole putting off of one way of life and thinking to put on the new way of life and thinking that he's given us in Christ. And he didn't just say, I'm going to practice this love. I'm going to practice obeying you. He said, I delight. It's my pleasure to do your will. Let's grow in love until we delight and make it our pleasure to love one another and forgive like he loves. Not like, all right, I'm going to do this, Lord. You know they don't deserve it. He knows they don't. He's been practicing this kind of love since man fell in the garden. His sun has still been rising, you know, on the just and the unjust, helping people to grow things to live in certain climates and on and on and have seasons and so it's not just all one temperature all the time. Some people are like, I would like that. That's tropical. What's amazing to me is how God has created the earth. So if you like it real cold, you can go one place. If you like it real warm, you can go to another. If you like it in between or you like all the seasons, you can go to another and visit. You can't live there. You got to move back here. Got to come back here. But I'm just saying you could at least visit because we're going to follow God, right? But let's delight. You can delight in it just like that. Okay, I'm going to delight to do your will. I'm going to find pleasure in doing this, Lord. And if you find pleasure in it, what pleases God will please you. Let me just say that again. What pleases God will please you. When you're unpleased, it's because you're not doing things that please Him. If you're fully pleasured inside and satisfied and just, this is it, Lord, you know you're connecting with Him in certain ways. It's good to offer praise to God. You ever notice we praise God for a while and you start going, Oh, that's, ha, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm feeling pretty good right now. It's because it's pleasing to God. It does something to please you, too. You know, I know I'm supposed to pray, and every time I do, it's just so good. What pleases God will please you. When I've witnessed to people, it's like God moves through me. It's really good, because if it pleases God, it'll be pleasing to you. Man, that was the hardest thing for me to forgive, but I got all that weight off my back, and I'm not all in turmoil inside. It's just good. What pleases God will please you it will pleasure you. When you got saved inside, you went, man, oh my, I know the Lord. This is good because that's pleasing to God. Heaven rejoices over that. And what's pleasing to God when you act on it will be pleasing inside of you. So let's delight to do this.